All right, let me check things, make sure I'm not forgetting anything. I'm not going to forget, Sherry. I'm down. I'm down. Um, invite you to turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, as I stated earlier in the announcements, we're going to wrap up our series on prayer. Uh, Luke 11, it's uh, page 735 in your pew Bible if you're wanting to use that. We've, uh, boy, I have really enjoyed uh, taking some time to focus in on prayer. That had not been my original plan, but it was God's, and He let me know that. And uh, I've just enjoyed it. We've, we've looked at great examples of prayer from David in the Psalms. We've looked at prayers of trust, prayers of, to ask for help, prayers to ask for guidance, Prayers to seek God's pardon or forgiveness for our sins. Prayers of thanksgiving. Prayers of sanctification, asking God to set us apart. And last week we looked at a prayer for prosperity. Asking God to give us a better tomorrow. But with all of these prayers, with all of these examples, with all of this talk on prayer, I know that there can sometimes become a tension in you and me where there's almost too much information it's almost like, okay, wow, we, we've looked at all these prayers, and every week it's been a, it's been a blessing to me. I, I pray that God's Spirit and His Word has worked in you. But sometimes when you hear so much about it, you're almost like, ah, I don't know what to do with all that information, therefore I'm going to do nothing. In terms of your prayer life or my prayer life, we just, it's, again, it's, it's almost as if because we've looked at so much information, the idea of prayer seems overwhelming to you. And so, I wanted to end the series with just a very simple instruction. I think all of those examples of prayer were powerful. The truths that we saw throughout the New Testament that correlated with David's examples, very powerful. But I want to create some kind of a handle because if you're here this morning and you still view prayer as something mysterious, something difficult, or something that's uncomfortable, and so you're unwilling to do it. I want to give you something very simple. Because you, neither you nor I are the first people to go, how do we do this thing called prayer? And God, as I've told you every week, God does not desire prayer to be something difficult for you. He wants you to communicate with Him. It, it's not like He set up a whole, like an obstacle course spiritual obstacle course that you need to get through in order to talk to him. He wants to hear from you. The simplest prayer is wonderful in his ears. <clears throat> so in Luke chapter 11, I said we're not the first people to ask this. In Luke chapter 11, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 13, we read this in verse 1. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. This is the fifth time that Luke records Jesus praying. Obviously, Jesus prayed much more than that. Um, the, but the disciples had heard him pray time and time and time again. And they knew from the very beginning that there was something different about Jesus. By this point, some had accepted him as being the Messiah, that's why they were following him. This was God's salvation for Jerusalem and for the Jews. And so they're following him. They know there's something different. Well, one day 
they just came up, and, and a little interesting fact, this is the only time recorded in the Gospels that someone requested specific instruction from Jesus. Most of the time, there was a multitude, and Jesus just spoke, and they listened. At this moment, this disciple and the disciples are coming to him, like, Lord, will you teach us to pray? Teach us how to pray. Teach us to pray. Give us something. Give us a prayer. Give us some instruction. Uh, give it to us. We, we want to know because your praying is different. Your prayers are different, and we want to know how do we do it. And they reference John, John the Baptist, because John the Baptist's followers had specific prayers. John had taught them how to pray in their time, and so now they're asking. They're saying, Lord, will you teach us to pray? So Jesus, in the next verses, gives several things. And the first one is the content of prayer. If you're taking notes, uh, verses 2 through 4, this is the content of prayer. He says in verse 2, he starts by saying this, he said to them, when you pray, say. Now, it, for those of you who may have grown up, you know, reciting the Lord's Prayer, there's two of them. One's in Matthew and one's in Luke. We're studying the passage of Luke today. Um, I believe that they were said at different times. Uh, if you look at the setting in Matthew, where Matthew shares about the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer is longer. There's some more detail to it. But it's found in the middle of a sermon, a longer sermon that Jesus is giving. In the setting in Luke, this is a very different setting where the disciples kind of come to him and say, will you teach us to pray? So I believe that Jesus communicated that information in Matthew and then again in Luke at a different time. Maybe some of the disciples weren't present when he shared it in Matthew. But regardless, I'm just sharing that to let you know there are two passages where the Lord pre uh, shares a similar prayer. In Matthew, he shares it as kind of a pattern. He doesn't say, here's what you say. It's like, follow this example. Here in Luke, he says, here's what you can pray. Basically, like, repeat after me type of prayer. And both are good. Both are good. It's not that there are only specific prayers that we pray, that we memorize and we recite. But those are good. It's also not like the only prayer that we pray has to be a freelance type prayer original to us. Those are good, but that's not the only type of prayer. So the Lord's Prayer can be taken both ways. It can be taken as, let's recite this together in prayer or I'm going to recite this myself in prayer, it can also be taken as a pattern of prayer. So in this passage, in, in verse 2, we see the content of prayer, and in the very first word, and I, I, I don't want you to feel like I'm going to go word by word here, but the first word is so powerful. Um, in verse 2 it says, He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. The very first word was um, a change in their prayer, for lack of a better word. There was a Hebrew word for father, but the, the word that they used in, in speaking to father was kind of like a father over the heavens, like a great father, a, a, a distant father who was the father of everything. It was a very worshipful term. Jesus is saying, our father. You know, in Matthew, it's, it says that. He's using a very, Jesus is using a very personal term, saying, here's how you address him. Call him dad. Call him father. So this immediately was a different type of prayer. 
And the next phrase, hallowed be your name, uh, literally means to us that may everyone regard your name as holy. The word holy means perfect and set apart. Like, holy means the only thing. Really, the only true way to define holy is to say our Creator God because He is the only thing that's holy. So, Jesus is saying, here's how you enter into prayer. You start with adoration. Adoration. If you notice in your notes, I have kind of what's called an acrostic uh, that says ACTS, A-C-T-S, and probably a lot of you know what that acrostic stands for in terms of prayer, but I love it, and we're going to use it to just kind of outline the content of this prayer. The first thing is adoration. When you come to your Savior in prayer, the first thing you do is worship Him, praise Him. You make much of Him. Adoration is, I I adore you and I'm expressing it to you. Hallowed be your name. May everyone in existence regard you as holy. That's what Jesus is saying. And then He says this, He says, your kingdom come. Immediately, he's just saying, whatever we're about to talk about, Lord, I want you to know the most important thing to me is that your will be done. That whatever you know is best to have happen, I want you to make that happen. That's my first request. But there's other things that he talks about. So he, he has this adoration for the Lord in this prayer. Second, A.C. Confession. Confession. Look at verse 4. I'll read to that part. Um, I'll start at verse 2 again. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Confession, is, as we've talked about in weeks past in prayer, very important. Confession is just saying the same thing about our sin that God would say. We call it the same thing. Lord, forgive me. Remove this from me. Remove this from between us. I adore you. Now remove this from between us so I can come to you. Confession. It's adoration. It's confession. It's saying the same thing about our sins. It goes beyond saying sorry to defining it as God would define it. The next is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is something we see really surrounding this entire verse. We see it very clearly in many of Christ's other prayers and the prayers that we saw from David. Surrounding all of this, I mean, we see thanksgiving. We, um, he says we ask, he's going to ask for provision, and he's doing that because he's thanking the Lord for the fact that he has provided. Lord, you've provided up until this point, so will you provide for us today? Lord, will you forgive me of my sins because you have always been faithful to forgive me. I'm thankful for your forgiveness. Therefore, I'm asking for forgiveness now. Um, He says, Lord, I, I want your will to be done. You know, your kingdom come. I want that to happen because whenever that happens, it's wonderful. I'm thankful that you accomplished your will. Will you please continue to do it? There's gratitude surrounding the entire prayer, but in in many other prayers of Christ and David, we see thanksgiving as just a specific thing where there are specific words given in terms of thanksgiving. So we have adoration, we have confession, 
we have thanksgiving, and then to end with, we have supplication. Supplication, uh, which is just making requests or asking for help, asking for a better tomorrow or, or what we need today. In this prayer, Jesus asks for two separate things. One, he says in verse 3, give us each day our daily bread. God, will you meet my needs for today? Whatever I need for today, will you provide that? Whatever way you see fit. This is the first supplication or request that Jesus says to ask for. And then at the end of verse 4, he says this, and lead us not into temptation. Matthew adds the description and, and save us from the evil one or protect us from the evil one. This is looking ahead. Jesus says, God, my Father, will you give me what I need today? Will you also protect me in the future? Will you provide a better future for me? Will you protect me from the evil one, from what's going to happen? Protect me. This is the content of prayer. Um, At times, and I don't know if this is you, but at times, I think we can become so absorbed, though, with the content of prayer that we forget some of the other very important ingredients when it comes to having a meaningful prayer life. You have the content of prayer, and we've kind of looked down through this adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Those things should be present in your prayer life, clearly instructed by Christ. But there are other things equally meaningful. Jesus, in answer to the disciples' prayer, where where they say, Lord, teach us to pray, they're not just looking for the prayer. They're not like, teach us what to pray is not the question. It's teach us to pray. What do we say? What else is important when it comes to prayer? We want to be better at prayer. And so Jesus says, well, here's the content. But and he gives that in three verses, and then he goes on from verse 5 through 13 to give far some, I don't want to say more meaningful, but equally important instruction. In verses 5 through 10, he begins this story that I, told, I, I kind of told the kids about. I like the story. It's got some, some cute little details to it, kids. You're going li- to like this. It's gonna sound, some of it's going to sound a little weird, all right? So verse 5, then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend... Lend me three loaves of bread. Any, any, any kids in here ever come to mom and dad hungry in the middle of the night? I know, you don't want to raise your hand, but I know what's happened. I know what's happened, right? So the one friend goes to his neighbor's house, and it's midnight, and says, I, I need food. Verse 7, then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed with me. I can't get up and give you anything. I got to tell you what this means because this sounds a little weird, right? Back then, you had a one-room house. That's what they had. And the sleeping arrangements were like this. Dad would sleep on the outside of the bed to protect. Or he would sleep on one side of the bed. Then you would have children, however many children you had. One child. Two-child, three-child, some people have five-child, I don't know, they put in the five-child, and then mom would sleep on the other side of the bed. That is how you slept most nights. You had, it was one-room house, and so this man is saying, listen, it's midnight, the door is locked, I'm in bed with all of my kids, I can't even get out of bed to help you. Go away. 
yelling through the window while all the kids sleep between mom and him. Aren't you glad you have your own bed? Aren't you glad you had your own bed? So, verse 8. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread, because he is a friend, yet, because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. It's like, Jesus is saying, if that man stands at the door and is persistent and keeps knocking and keeps saying, come on, man, just throw it out the window. Throw me three loaves of bread. I need bread. You know, no, go away. No, just give me the bread and I'll go away. I'll, I'll give it back to you tomorrow. You will, even though they're friends and he won't get up because he's a friend, the fact that this guy keeps talking and, the, and this guy's worried that his kids are going to wake up or he just can't go to sleep until he get, he's going to get up and give him the bread. Like, here, now go away. So persistent. So in verse 9, Jesus is done telling the story. And he says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks find. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. I want you to know something. This is not a story where Jesus is equating or making equal God to this man who's in bed with his family. They're not equal. He's contrasting. He's saying, if your so supposed friend will not give you what you're asking for in the middle of the night, but because you're persistent, you will receive his attention, he will come to the door, he will give you what he has and what you're requesting how much more a God who wants to give to you? That's Jesus' point to his disciples. He's trying to tell them, listen, your God wants to give to you far more than this neighbor who's in bed and is just going to give it to you because he's tired of your persistence. He's saying, keep asking. Keep asking. The, the answer, the, the key is not that you know, that, that you're going to receive specifically what you're asking for. The key is that God will answer. You knock on the door, God will open the door. He will be present there with you. He will answer that prayer. Even the times, there's so many times when I feel like my prayers aren't doing anything. I just feel like there's no answer, or at least not the answer I want. And I just like, God, where are you? This is such a strong statement from Christ. It is worded as a promise. So all of a sudden, I want you to understand how important this passage is to prayer. I, have, I end up pinning the way I feel about prayer, you know, sometimes, that my prayer is not answered, he, he's not going to answer, maybe I should stop. I pin that feeling against Christ's promise. Listen, listen, for you and for me, His promises win every time. I may not trust in them. I may fail them, but He cannot fail. He cannot fail. So the message that Jesus is speaking to His disciples in regards to prayer, He says this is all about frequency in prayer, if you're filling in that blank. Frequency. Don't stop praying. 
you are promised that God will answer. Does he have, I mean, he's beyond us, right? Like, I can't comprehend how he sees things and how he knows things. That's the kind of God I want. If I can fully understand my God, he's not God anymore. But I trust him. And I have this promise. Let me read it again. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, find. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened to you. God has promised to hear and to respond to your prayer. That is the frequency. We have the content, right? Like, okay, here's what we pray. But you know what? We should never give up praying. Never cease to pray. Never get weary or tired of making the same request before the Lord. Keep praying. Keep asking. He has promised to respond. The last thing, verse 11 through 13, I believe speaks to our attitude of prayer. Attitude of prayer is the last blank there. Remember um, verse 2, the very first word, Father. Attitude. Jesus had an, an attitude, a very healthy attitude, that this was his Father in heaven. And he says, this is what I want. I'm inviting you to pray. My mentor growing up always prayed Father in heaven. Every prayer started with Father in heaven. And, 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 and similar to the disciples, one day I went to him, I'm like, why do you pray Father in heaven? And he's like, well, I, I, my dad's in heaven, so I want to make sure that I'm speaking to the Lord. So his, his teaching to me was similar to what Jesus is saying. He says, start, your attitude should be that this is your father. See, sometimes our attitude towards our God is he's distant, he's maybe even mean, or he's, he's judging, or maybe he just doesn't care, he's disinterested, he's a principal out of school. He's, I mean, whatever that attitude is, change it. Come to him saying, okay, Jesus, God, told me to address you as father, I'm going to start to do that. I want to change my perception of you, my attitude towards you, and I'm going to call you father. Heavenly father. Father in heaven. Whatever that is, it's our attitude in prayer. Jesus speaks to this as well in these last three verses. Verse 11. He asks a question. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. It's like, dads aren't going to do that. Any dad that cares for his kids is not going to do that. Oh, do you want an egg? Here's a scorpion. Eat that. I mean, it's like, dads don't do that. Dads who care don't do that. Verse 13, If you then, though you are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Very cool last phrase. I, I want to describe this to you and then, then get us back to the point. Jesus is, at that time, at that time, the Holy Spirit did not exist inside of every man. That happened early in church history at a day called Pentecost. That the, church, that the Holy Spirit descended upon everyone who would trust in Jesus Christ. At this time, the Holy Spirit did not exist in the disciples. 
They were in the presence of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is saying, listen, your Father in heaven wants to give you the best thing imaginable, which is His Holy Spirit. I mean, throughout history, the the Jews were aware of the Spirit's work, God's work. The Spirit would come upon a prophet. Incredible things would happen. They saw that. They saw God's Spirit active in Christ. Christ had this amazing relationship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was doing incredible things. And Jesus is saying, if, if someone who is born in sin, like me, knows how to give good things to my children, how much more a perfect Father in heaven will give you. In fact, He will give you the best. He wants to give you the best. That is His desire. You know what? We don't believe that sometimes when we pray. Sometimes we pray apologetically, like, you know, like, uh, Lord, I, uh, you know, I don't know, but I kind of like this. I don't want you mad at me, though, for asking. I mean, God wants to give you the best. Now, I struggle knowing what's best. I have a very, I I think I know what's best a lot. And a lot of times I'm wrong. Because I'm not perfect. You, You have a definition for what's best. You believe you know what's best. But you've been wrong before too, right? You know that, that, that car, you know, that blew up? That wasn't the best car for you to buy. That wasn't the best car. Uh, the person you dated in high school, you should be thankful for, you know, what you got now because that would have been a mess, right? I'm just saying, you don't know what's best. I'm just reminding you, all right, I don't know what's best, you don't know what's best. He knows what's best, and he wants to give it to you. What do we, what do you need to do? You need to talk to your creator. You need to talk to your father. You need to just come to him and say, uh, I don't know how to do this, or I'm not very good at this, or I want to be better at this, but I'm going to talk to you right now. You need to do that here in a couple minutes, right where you're seated. We, gotta, we have to start now. We can walk out of here and not pray, and nothing's changed. You don't want to waste your morning, do you? Let's pray a little bit right now. And then when you have opportunity, pray. When Tuesday comes around, if you're able and you don't have to work, be here to pray. Be here to pray. Hear others' prayer. I'm going to give us some time of silence, and this is for you to pray. Maybe you want to look at your notes and you want to go through adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. You don't have to do that. Maybe for you it's just God, here I am. I'm talking to you, and I'm calling you Father. You know, whatever it is, in your heart, in your mind, talk to your Savior now.